33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, with that being said, I want to kind of just briefly go over what we've talked about so far. So, at the beginning of the month, we started off with the question, what is first in your life? And the question was one to be of introspection, to look inside, to ask yourself, what is number one in my life? What is the thing that I value the most, that I seek after the most, that I desire the most? And that question was kind of leading us in this direction of the series. And the question that can help us uh, identify specifically is where do I spend my time when I have a choice to spend my time? And that's a question. You know, when you have free time and you decide to do something, it's because you want to. You've decided to do that thing. And, so the, and I want to make, it sure, or make sure that you know church is a choice. It's, it's not, you may feel obligated at times, but it is a choice, 100%. You have a choice to come to church. So for you to be here is a good thing. You've made a decision to be in the house of God. Prayer is a choice. Prayer is a choice. I choose to pray. Reading the Bible is a choice. I choose to read my Bible rather than do all the other things I could do. And so the statement for that sermon was seeking the kingdom first begins and ends with your intake of scripture and your time in prayer. Okay, so that's where we started. And Pastor Mancha spoke and he shared with us a, a few actually really sobering thoughts and, and clarity that we can have in moving forward. Uh, number one, you, you need to seek God personally. You can't seek God for someone else. Meaning you can't go and get God the answers that you're trying to hope this other person gets. You can't go and pray and say, Lord, tell me the answers so I can go tell them. Even if it is God, they won't listen to you. So you cannot seek God for anyone else. You seek God personally. You can't change a person's life, which was the second point. You cannot change a person's life. You physically cannot do that. You can tr try. You can, you know, empty your bank account, go buy them everything you think they need, encourage them, give, you know, send them all the daily motivation Instagrams and get all that stuff going. But you have to trust God with your life first. You can't change a person's life. You have to trust God with your life first. And he also shared that we must establish first things in our life keeping the main thing the main thing. We must establish that. It doesn't just happen. It's not a magic button you just flip on and say, oh, I'm a Christian now. I pray, read my Bible, and go to church every single moment I can. It's something that has to be an intentional effort that we aim to do. And he repeated the 633, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then we heard from Ricky in 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16, about Elijah and the widow. Elijah had to obey the leading of the Lord, and the widow had to obey the command to supply the man of God before her own household. You remember the setting that, you know, there was a famine. She was basically going to starve to death. She had nothing left, and God tells her to make something for this prophet. And then the prophet comes and says, you know, I know you're going to die. I know you said you're going to die. Go ahead and make your last meal and give me some first, right? And she had to, she was trusting God. She was like, okay, if this is God, why not? I have nothing left. Why not? And then we came to the, you know, the place of saying, understanding, there's first obedience and then blessing. First obedience comes and then blessing comes. Most of us want blessing before we even obey God. You know, obedience to God brings blessing. And then Pastor Sean 
Uh, last week, he shared with us that suffering is first. Yes. Suffering is first. Luke 17, 25, ESV says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. This is, he's talking about Jesus. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And then Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And he also shared to be a worshiper first, that suffering is first. Be a worshiper first, and to put other people first. And I'm telling you, if you did not listen to that sermon, go back and listen again. It's podcasts, YouTube, whatever you want to listen. You can find it. It's all there. All the major streaming platforms, everything's there. Okay? But that sermon, I, I'm telling you right now, spoke to people on different levels. If you did not really feel the challenge of the Lord, you were not paying attention. <laughs> because the things that he shared, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, you know, I know what's going on in people's lives. And I don't share that with him. I don't go, bro, you should minister on this because this couple's going through this. This dude's going through that. You know, I, I share nothing with him. And he's sharing these things that I'm like, oh, whoa. <laughs> you're reading somebody's messages? You're getting in their emails? You know, no, no. He was literally 100% just listening to the Holy Spirit and sharing what the Holy Spirit gave to him. And it was a powerful message. I encourage you to go listen to it again. Tonight, as we close this, I want to give you a thought that hopefully will challenge you to, to take an initiative and put some things first, take a first step, and be, be putting the right things in first place. Matthew 8.27, NLT says this, and I didn't give the notes for this, but Matthew 8.27, New Living Translation says this, the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Okay. Let me break it down for you really is easy. Some of you struggle in your walk because you don't know your king. You don't know your king. You struggle. You, you have this hard time just trusting God because you don't know your king. And you have the disciples, they were amazed, and they said, who is this man? The, the, they said, the winds and the waves obey him. And some of us struggle trusting the man that even the wind and the waves obey. Imagine, imagine, okay? Matt, you've seen the videos, right? The tornado videos from the Midwest. You know, Vanessa, my wife, she hates the tornadoes. She's like, no, I'm not a fan of the tornadoes. <laughs> but imagine you're standing there in a tornado, and this guy comes out and just says, you know what? Stop. And the tornado just stops. That's, that's what this was a situation where even the winds and the waves obey him. And I love it because it brings clarity for us as a church. New Wave LA, we obey Jesus. The wave is, is subject to what he wants. And that's how we know where we're going because we know who our king is. And so I can bring a summary for you today. Seeking the kingdom first is knowing your king. A lot of you can say, I know about church I know about the Bible, I've been this, I've been that, I've learned this, I have this knowledge, but you may not know your king. I want us to read in the book of Acts about this man named Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19, it says this, and we're going to go through and kind of read through, then stop and talk about it, but it says in, in uh, we're going to start in verse 10, 
It says this, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man named, uh, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So we've been talking about first, right? We've been talking about putting things first, knowing what should be first, suffering is first, all these different thoughts. But you know what's crazy is the first thing Ananias did was question if this is really what God wanted him to do. That was his first reaction. And the problem is this. A lot of us have been taught, don't question. A lot of us have been taught, just, you know, just, it's not your job to question. But here you have Ananias. He questions he literally asks and says there and stops and says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much evil? And he's questioning, do you really want me to go talk to this guy? Some of you think God is afraid of your questions. That's what some of you think. Because maybe you were taught that. You were maybe taught, maybe taught, don't ask. You know, don't, don't question. Don't question authority. Don't, don't question leadership. You know, I'm the voice of God for your life. Let me tell you something very clearly. If you are not asking questions, if you are not seeking the answers from the Holy Spirit, you are not actively increasing your faith. We've been talking about first, and some of you think God is afraid of your questions, and I can tell you today, he's not. He's not afraid of your questions. You know, we get all afraid of culture and the pushing in. You know, the LGBTQ agenda, Illuminati. We, we can watch YouTube videos all day. And like, oh my gosh, the world is going to, you know, what is that? What, God, you know, do I ask about this? What do, you know, first off, stop watching so much YouTube, okay? But now second, he's not afraid of your questions. Some of you have been taught to never ask a question, but he will provide you the best answer you've ever heard. See, Ananias referenced what had been said about this man. He measured the evil, and he assessed the actual risk. Some of you don't even do that. Some of you are like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to obey, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. See, that's like a blind faith. That's like a, like, we'll, we'll just see what happens. God's not, God's not asking you to have this blind leap of faith. He's saying, look at the situation. Pay attention to every detail. I want you to look at the whole thing. What are you going to lose if you make the right decision? What's going to happen if you say yes when everybody's saying no? What's going to happen if you speak truth and love and they turn their backs on you and they hate you because you presented the gospel? Are they going to reject you? Most likely. Take all that in. Assess it. Get the risk. Get scared. Be afraid of, oh my gosh, if I do this. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine 
to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So in verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. You see, seeking the kingdom first is knowing your king. What happened is Ananias knew who was calling or asking of him. And the thing is, most of us are afraid to take the risk. You know, and, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying pay attention to the risk. Pay attention. You know, make sure that you're fully aware of the negative outcomes that could possibly be there. Because, you see, what happened is, is quite common amongst us as, as Christians, as church people. You know, we make the mistake of thinking we are the first thing in a series of events that lead up to the moment God asked of us. We make the mistake in thinking God's only asking you when he had already prepared, set things up, spoke to other people, challenged, opened the way. We think, because we're very self-centered, maybe not you, just me, we're very self-centered. And when we pray and we think, God, you know, if I do that, you know, maybe this and this and this. Never thinking, maybe God spoke to them. Maybe God opened that door. Maybe he's already waiting for me to be there to talk to that person. So we make the mistake of thinking we are the first thing in the series of events that lead up to the moment that God asked of us. God is first. The king goes before you. A lot of our firsts are to sit back and assess and question and critique, why are you doing this to me, God? That's what we do a lot. Why is this happening to me? We never think, we never think we have a role in this thing that God's doing and he's moving before us and God's saying, I, I just need you to step forward. I need you to keep going. I need you to let that stuff go and keep going. I like what Pastor Sean, uh, he said, he said, things happen, right? And, and we, we go through this hurt, but we don't live there. We keep going. Ananias said, don't you know what he's done? I think a lot of us, if we assess some of the things that God puts in us, we think about all the bad and we think about even they don't deserve your goodness, God. Don't you know what they've done to me? Don't you know what they've done to someone else? And I know, and I, we talked about how there are barriers and places to, to not let people back into your life. You can forgive them, you can move forward, but you can place a barrier that says we no longer have that place of relationship. You're no longer allowed to come into maybe my home. We can place those barriers, that's healthy, that's good. But there's some moments when we must forgive. We must look at them and say, I'm forgiving not just for them, I'm forgiving for me because I need to move forward. See, we look at Ananias, his fear was well-deserved. We read in the book of Acts, before Ananias meets Paul, about a man named Stephen. Okay, God told him to speak to this crowd. God gives Stephen this word. And, and he goes to speak to this crowd, and it was a truthful and piercing word. And then, and, then, and think about this. And like I said, he assessed it. He was like, if I say this, 
They're, they're probably going to do something to me. And, and you look at this in Acts 7, 57 to 58. This is what happens. Stephen speaks to this crowd. And it says, but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. So let me just set that for you. Okay. They cried out with a loud They started yelling. Okay. They were yelling at him. And it says, and stopped their ears. So they covered their ears. They were yelling and covering their ears because they did not want to hear any more of what he was saying. And then it says they rushed together at him. So imagine you're in front of a crowd of people. You say something that you feel the Lord told you to share. And all of a sudden, those same people that God wanted you to speak to are running at you with loud voices covering their ears, literally saying, I don't want to hear it. Shut your mouth. And then in 58, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Stephen counted this cause. He said, if I speak this, they may kill me. And you know what happened? They killed him. And then we read that in the Bible, and we think like, well, well where's, where's, the good, where's the good happy ending? You know, we're all supposed to love Jesus and everything ends fine. Let me, let me, I'm going to burst your bubble. All the disciples died very badly. All of them. None of them retired in a mansion by the lake and sat there and said, yeah, I used to come out here and fish with Jesus. They all died very horrible deaths. And so we read about Stephen, the first Christian martyr is what they call him. And it was because he spoke the truth and they took him out and they stoned him. And at the end it says that, and witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Guess who that was? That was Paul, Saul of Tarsus. He was standing there and he was getting their coats for them. Yeah, go stone him. I'll hold your coat. And then and we read further. Acts 8, 1 and 3. It says, and Saul approved of his execution. And then in 3, and there arose on that day a great persecution, persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And in verse 3, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Let me, again, I don't know what you've been taught, but I can tell you this. Our lives as Christians, as Christians, as the future draws near, we're not going to be happy and healthy. There's going to be major persecution against the church. There's going to be things that push against the existence of Christianity as a whole. And for you to think anything different, that Christianity is about building wealth, is about, you know, making your life uh, uh, healthy and wealthy. You know, all, all these ideas of maybe you've heard something. Let me remind you that we saw in, in Scripture that Saul, who became a, a Paul the Apostle, before he was Paul the Apostle, it says that uh, he was ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Saul was approving of this execution, and he tore apart families. Imagine. Like, I don't have to imagine because I've met people whose families got arrested and went to prison for being Christians, for holding a Bible study in their house. I've met people like that. So it's not for me like a, a oh my gosh, it's crazy. But I think for a lot of us in Western Christianity, 
We have no real persecution, so we have no real thought of what it means to actually suffer, sacrifice, consider the risk, consider the cost, and still pursue Jesus. Because Saul here was tearing apart families, it says. He ravaged the church. You know what that means? He severely damaged and devastated. And this is the man that Ananias has this vision to go and pray over. And his first response is understandable. Are you sure, God? This is the same man that was at the place that the first Christian martyr was killed. And he approved of it. He held their jackets for them. And you want me to go pray for him? Are you sure, God? And his first response, like I said, is understandable. I know it sounds bad. I know it sounds bad to you. But he did do something right. He immediately talked to God. He didn't question God to others. He talked to God. He asked him, Lord, are you sure? Is this what you want me to do? See, a lot of us, we seek uh, affirmation, confirmation. We seek this idea that, you know, God's asking you to do something hard and you want somebody to talk you out of it. So that way you, you don't have to. So you go, you look up scripture and find the books and ask the people that you think will give you the right answers. And then you talk to some people and they give you the answer you don't want and you, you move along and you go find somebody else who will give you the answer you want. It's very easy. You find the podcast, right? You know, how to not do God's will or how to do God's will kind of. Like that's what you're searching. Like how do I give everything but keep some things? See, and, and the first response is that one right there, and it's understandable, but he immediately talked to God. He didn't question God to others. He asked God. He 100% said, Lord, do you know who this guy is? I know who this guy is, and I'll listen to you, but I'm just trying to paint this picture for you. You're asking me to do something crazy here. And out of that first response, he made his first move because God tells him, go. And in 17, it says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. See, that's a big difference. Some of us are just looking for this response from God to feel good. Like, you know what? I know your heart is right. I know you have a heart for missions. You know, I know you, you really want to go share the gospel, but it's so scary for you. It's okay. And, and Ananias, he said, Lord, do you know this situation? God says, yeah, I do. Go. And so Ananias departed. <laughs> he went and he entered the house. He departed. I mean, he left his home. I imagine the conversation to his household. Guys, I'm leaving. I may not come back. Let me set my affairs in order. If I don't return, this money goes here. Uh, family, this is what you're going to do. Take care of this. I hope to see you again. But he left. See, uh, some of us, uh, we, we can make a response. And we've asked God but now it's time to make the move because God already answered you. He's like, go, like I, this is what I asked of you already. You can ask God, are you sure? You can ask him. Like I said, he's not afraid of your questions. Like, what about this, God? Ask him. You know, some, some of you wanna ask your pastor. Some of you wanna ask me and I'm like, you better ask God, man, I have no clue. 
Don't you know what's, what's happened in our home? You're asking me to do something, God, but don't you know what's happened in our home? Don't you know how messed up they are? God's saying, I already told them you're on the way. Seeking the kingdom first is knowing your king. It's hard to seek the kingdom first if you don't know your king. It's hard. Because you're like, you know, who, what is this for even? It doesn't make me happy. I think God wants me happy. But if you knew your king, you'd make him happy. You'd, you'd be seeking to say, king, are you satisfied with my life? Are you happy with my response? It's like when you're learning to drive a car, right? A stick shift. Anybody who drives stick? Have we got a few? Yeah, a few, a few believers, a few anointed. No, everybody else is driving uh, automatic. <laughs> I'll pray for you guys. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, driving stick is, is, a, is a challenge. It's, it's hard. Uh, but let me say it like this. If no one teaches you to drive that car, you don't even know how to put it in gear. You get in, and let's just say you saw an automatic, you know, and you get into this car, and you're like, what are the three pedals for? What, what does that one do? <laughs> Wait, what is that? Why is it moving? You don't know what to do. And, and you have to put it into first, but some of you haven't shifted into first, and, and you're sitting there in the car. You maybe even figured out how to turn it on, you know, and you're revving the engine, and you're noisy, and people are like, wow, they're on fire for Jesus, and, and you're just revving the engine. You know, and it's just like, wow, man, look at their life. But you don't even know how to put it into first. And you're, you're noisy. And people are just like, wow, oh, my gosh, I want to be like them. They're the next Joel Osteen. <laughs> Some of you haven't shifted into first because you think sitting there and revving the engine in neutral is movement. It's just noise. And, and let, let's look at it like this. When's the last time God asked you to do something and you did it? Because if, if you can't remember, you're a very noisy person. Because, because if there was movement, you would look back and say, God asked me to do this. It, it was hard. It was difficult. Everything in me, my emotions, my, my psychological well-being was, was shattered in that moment of just trusting God into this moment because I looked at everything and I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that this relationship was going to end. I knew this was going to happen. I knew that if I spoke the truth, they would hate me. I knew that my family would say, don't come back to Thanksgiving. Don't come back to Christmas. We don't want to hear it. I knew that it was going to happen. And, and see, that's not noise. That's movement. And you look back and you say, I know I made a choice because I can pinpoint when there was this jolt in my life. Things changed. The perspective I had changed because I began moving. You have to put it into first gear. You can start the car. You can rev the engine. But if it's in neutral, you are not going anywhere. And guess what? Just like what Pastor Mancha said, you can't do it for someone else. You can't put someone's car into first and say, go ahead. They don't know how to do it. You just help them maybe wreck. <laughs> and someone else can't do it for you. You have to learn. It's, and it's hard. You know, if you ever try to drive a stick shift car, it's a challenge. You have to hold on to the vision that God gave you. 
and put it into gear. See, Ananias, he held on to this vision. Okay? God gave him this vision, and he held on to it, and he said, Lord, I don't know. Um, are you sure? And God said, yes, go, do it. And he said, okay, and he gets up and goes. And, and some of you, you have this vision of maybe your whole family sitting in church listening to the scripture, but it starts with first listening to God and saying, Lord, I know you gave this to me because I don't even like my family that much. But I have this vision to see them in church and to know you and love you. And, and that vision you hold on to. Some of you have a vision to start a business. And it holds on. You hold on to what God gave you to say, Lord, I know you gave it to me because I don't even want that responsibility. As a matter of fact, I'm scared of that responsibility. I'd rather just have a, a job at Taco Bell. All of this is found when we seek the kingdom first because we know the king. See, let me, let me paint a picture for you. If you walked into a room and it's a hall, right? And, and the king is sitting at the end of that hall and, and you walk in, no one else matters in that room. No one else matters. There may be 30, 40, 50, 100 people in that room, but the only one you're paying attention to is the king. And then the king may ask you, hey, did you do what I asked you? And you can look around. Did you guys do it? They didn't do it either, God. The, the king, but I asked you. See, some of us have lost sight of that moment that we're going to stand in front of our king. And the hard part is when, when we can't put the kingdom first, it's because we don't remember who our king is. And God told Ananias, he is a chosen instrument of mine. And Ananias heard what he said. He's needed in my kingdom. I'm asking you to go. Ananias knew who the ruler of the kingdom is. That's why he went. He said, I'm standing in front of the king, and this king is speaking to me, and I, I'm questioning him in front of everybody. But um, I'm going to do it because he told me to. And he went and he did it. And, and Paul wrote these books in the Bible. Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philemon, Colossians, Philippians, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And, and this is from Paul the Apostle. Okay? It, it, but we read all through the Bible the books that Paul wrote. But it started in the first, the first place it started was there was this scared servant of God who questioned God, counted the cost, and then trusted him entirely. God, you know, he tells his family and his friends at home, guys, I have to do this thing God's asking of me. I may not come back. But I got to obey my king. See, seeking the kingdom first is knowing your king. And you see how God used Paul. You see how God used him throughout scripture. But like I said, it started with this guy who was scared. And he was a servant of God. But he questioned. He's just like, Lord, are you sure? And then he counted the cost. And then he trusted him entirely. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And Monique, I can have you come up. But Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says this. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. (laughs) 